My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul the Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo at Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And this is Countdown City from Countdown City Keycast is Retro Ray. And this is where we talk all things Star Wars. And Ray, how was your weekend? Ah, busy, working, but fun stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, how was your Sunday? Well, Sunday was fun. Uh, me and you went on a little road trip uh, down to Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, for a little convention, Corpus Christi Con. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun because we actually got to meet Emily Swallow in person. Me for the very first time. I don't know. Had, had you met her for the first time? I had never met her. That was the first time ever meeting her. Her voice is just, oh, I could just hear her talk all day. If she did audiobooks, I'll be buying every audiobook. <laughs> Yeah, her voice is tremendous. She's got a very great speaking voice. And she sounds exactly like the armor. She doesn't change the intonation or whatever. You do hear it like kind of the muffled, kind of like through the comm system type voice when you hear her voice as the armor on the Mandalorian. But yeah, she is. she's awesome. She's so nice. Caring with every fan. And yeah, she was in Corpus. We met her. And that was the very first time for me. And yeah, uh, we talked to her for a while. There's not a lot of people on Sunday. So we were able to talk to her for quite a bit. And I asked her, just, would you like to be on the podcast? And she said, yeah, sure. So I have the information I needed to get her on, on the podcast. But unfortunately, the actor strike is happening currently with no definite end in sight. Uh, so we have no idea when we can start conducting more interviews again. But we also met Carrie Jones, who played Black Chrysanthemum, and also Dorian Kingy, who was in the suit for Cad Bane. He's actually quite tall and slender, almost like a Doug Jones type in a way. And yeah, um, yeah we expect to have those people on, on future podcasts, so stay tuned, definitely. And Ray and I actually just did a Patreon podcast, if you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, for I believe just $5. You can watch that kind of recap of our Sunday. So speaking of patrons, we do want to recognize our awesome supporters out there. Uh, on the purple tier, we have Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, and Zach Netzel. On the red tier, we have Fenrir526 and Maya Morris. On the black tier, we have Maka, Tawatala, Nathan Shank, Evan O'Paker, who I just sent out his uh, black tier package today, and... Liam McCallan and Texas Vader 76. Thank you so much for your guys. Awesome support. You guys are just tremendous. Um, if I didn't have a podcast, I would be just like you guys supporting the star stuff podcast. And I mean, without you guys, it's, it's hard to fathom to think that we could buy the coins and the patches and the stuff that we're about to buy in the future for Japan. And I'm, I think my mindset now is we need to really gear up right now for Japan because it's 
it's in 2025, but it feels like it's right around the corner. And when you order these things, when you order the coins and the, the patches, it takes a little while uh, to get to you. I remember the, the coins that we ordered for 2022 took us about six months, I want to say. Either the coins or the pins. But yeah, it, it takes a good long while. So thank you, everyone, for that awesome support. And uh, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. So on to uh, the main topics here. So Ahsoka stuff dropped today. It seems like every single day we're getting something new from Ahsoka. And we got today some information in regards to the runtimes of these episodes. And also we got new picks from Entertainment Weekly. And I'll, uh, Ray, if you want to post these up while I kind of read okay. some of this stuff. So this is an article from Best in Bulletin. Uh, the title is Star Wars Ahsoka Episodes 1 and 2 Runtime Revealed. So today, a uh, reliable social media user who's uh, revealed many accurate runtimes in the past has shared the runtime for two of the episodes, which is the premiere. It's the two-episode premiere on the 23rd, as you can see on our screen, if you're watching us on YouTube. So the article continues with according to a specific user um cryptic hd quality uh the first two episodes of ahsoka which debut on august 23rd as a two episode premiere have a combined runtime of an hour and 36 minutes which is if you do the math about 48 ish minutes per episode which is a little longer than mando uh the user uh shared that they acquired the information regarding the runtime from press screenings but unfortunately did not know or at least share what the runtime of the individual episodes were, which I don't know if that's an accurate statement because I know Lucasfilm doesn't do a lot of press screening type stuff for Star Wars stuff. That's uh, that's a little rare, but I want to say Best in Bulletin is usually on top of everything, so I guess they're doing that now. Uh, on average, it competes to around 48 minutes per episode. It's unlikely both episodes will be that runtime. It's just one hour, 36 uh, divided by two, essentially. Um, the article goes on to state the average of the two episodes are longer than most of the episodes of Mandalorian season three, with only two episodes of the eight episode season boasting runtimes as long or longer than the average of the first two Ahsoka episodes. Previously, it was mentioned by the series creator of Ahsoka and executive producer of The Mandalorian, Dave Filoni, that the Ahsoka series would have runtime similar to that of The Mandalorian Season 3, if not a tad longer. So the rumors that I heard was that it was the, these episodes were approaching an hour in length, which is what everyone's been kind of asking for. But according to this, they're just going to be a little bit longer than Mando, so don't get your hopes up for that. Uh, personally, the writer of the article states, I have no opinion on the episode's length, I know some have a strange obsession with wanting episodes to be an hour long. Uh, I think you can count us on the podcast uh, or at least over 45 minutes, which I mean, we all want longer episodes. But to me, the episode length doesn't matter in the slightest, in the slightest, as long as the episode in question is paced well. That's very important. We all want it to be paced well, to flow, to make sense in the narrative. Uh, I personally don't care if any if an episode is 30 minutes or 60 minutes long, as long as it does the story justice and the pacing is correct. Perhaps some feel as if they're getting more bang for their buck if an episode is longer, but if it's at the expense of its pacing and storytelling, then it's failed at the notion of uh, if you were to ask me. So that's the article. Ray, what do you think about 
what do you th- what do you think about this news about these episodes being about forty eight uh, minutes on average for the two series or the two show premiere for the season premiere? I, I I feel that's a good idea just because I feel a lot of people didn't watch Star Wars Rebels, so I think they're gonna either fill in some backstory maybe for people who don't know Ahsoka's backstory or Sabine kind of maybe we we're going to see some flashbacks maybe to kind of introduce the new fans to these characters and then jump into it in episode three. Like I said, that's just my opinion. That's, I mean, I may be wrong, but for people who haven't seen star Wars, you know, rebels, which I've watched it completely from beginning to end, this will be my third time with you. But these characters, the story, Filoni's writing for this series was, well, even Clone Wars, between the two of them, was a great show. Um, yeah. A lot of, I feel a lot of people missed out that didn't watch it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, once you see these characters and you see their backstories, uh, like I said, I would love to see Star Wars Rebels recreated in live action. Um, because I would love to see Freddie Prince Jr. reprise the role. Yeah. But that, like I said, it's just my opinion. But I don't know. You, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's par for the course, I think, as far as the run times go. Because I think Filoni is now used to this length of runtime for the TV shows. He's he's a terrific live action director. He directed the very first episode of The Mandalorian. He stuck the landing on that. And I trust in Filoni. This is his character. He cre- co-created it with George Lucas. And he is now the keeper of the flame for Star Wars. He's going to keep everything that Lucas taught him. He's no longer the Padawan. He's the, he's the Jedi Master for the storytelling. Everything really needs to run through him. He is really kind of, to me, the end-all, be-all. And... He needs to have the final say creatively. Now, I think we all know that Kathleen Kennedy has the final say, but I think as time has progressed, Kathleen Kennedy has realized Filoni is essentially a George Lucas proxy. And maybe in a lot of ways, he's surpassed, I know this might be kind of sacrilegious to say, but he surpassed what George Lucas could maybe bring to the table at um, this point in time, but I mean, he's he he learned at the feet of the master George Lucas, and I think it's time for him to get an apprentice. I don't know if that's already happened yet, but I think it's there's someone needs to be his understudy. Someone needs to be Filoni's Padawan, and I don't think we, anyone's really spoken about that. Dallas Howard, I think, is there. I think she's she's, Dal- she's- she would be a very great candidate. Um, yeah. Now, if she wants to stay doing Star Wars stuff forever until her last days, I don't think so. I, I would be hesitant to put her in that type of role because it takes a very unique person, I think, to to do to have that combination, that skill set, and that desire to be. Filoni's paddle on essentially in in the storytelling and kind of get really deep into the lore and be that invested for 
years, decades. I mean, we, I hope Lucas has thought of that. And Filoni maybe, I mean, has thought of that and is looking for, and I mean, I'm raising my hand right now. You can pick me and I can be in charge. I can't act direct, but I mean, I'm here. <laughs> but on well, serious note, yeah, I mean, th- there has to be someone. There, there has to be someone under Filoni. I mean, the, if they haven't done it yet, maybe we're not aware. There's one more that I think that can probably do it because he's such a geek for it. Is Sam Whitworth? That's an awesome pick, Ray. That yeah. I, I, that would be. That's a great pick, Ray. Um, because he has his, a love his, for it. His love, his passion, his his knowledge. I mean, his knowledge is maybe unparalleled um, to anyone outside of the story group for Lucasfilm. Yeah, because there was one episode that when there, and he actually had to stop and tell Filoni, I guess it was an episode or something. I, I can't remember. It was on a podcast I listened to where he was supposed to be doing something. And he's like, well, that doesn't happen in this. Doesn't happen yet or something like that. Right. There's a famous story when he's on yeah. the set of Solo. There you go. And they were trying to figure out, okay, well, we have Darth Maul here. Uh Give him the double bladed lightsaber, and Sam Witwer was like, "Wait go. a minute, um, that wouldn't make sense at this point in time." And they were like, uh, "Really?" And I was like, "Oh, what? What should? What kind of saber do you have?" And he pointed out the two options. And if it wasn't for him, Darth Maul would have shown up at the very end of Solo with the double bladed lightsaber from Famous, <laughs> and that would have thrown everything off. There, it would have been a different like timeline branch <laughs> from canon they had to probably had to make a whole comic series to explain all that but yeah i mean i've seen him do trivia on the schmodown where oh yeah he won and he was asked questions that i didn't know the answers off off the top of my head and he knew everything immediately and i was astounded by his knowledge and his his quick his quick recall of everything in Star Wars. Uh, and there's just so much. There's so much. And um, yeah, follow Sam Whitworth for sure because he has some very interesting Star Wars droppings out there that uh, will surprise you. But He's a cool guy. I mean, I got to meet yeah. him. They had, there was a convention sent. There was a convention off of Calabria here in San Antonio. And it was a small, I mean, small convention. It was called Texas something man it was over 12 years ago i got to meet him uh the star wars uh, we played uh star killer had just come out the game and the reason why i wanted to meet him was because of course he was in he was in smallville play uh you know the character he played it there um so i went just to meet him for that and of course the game i got him to sign my game cool this guy he had literally just got got in and he was just arriving to his table and it was funny because he literally had his freaking luggage with them and i was the first person in line and he's like oh he's like i ain't got nothing to sign yet and of course you know us collectors and you know fans here who doesn't go to a convention without spare sharpies because <laughs> you never know when you're going to meet someone um so I basically gave him my Sharpie and then he was going to give it back to me. And I was like, no, nah, you can keep it. 
coolest guy ever. Um, now I kind of want to meet him again. You know. Yeah, I I kind of want to meet him too. He's also on Cameo. Actually, you can you can go to that service and have him wish you happy birthday on video. <laughs> but yeah, he is a cool guy, and like you described him, he's like a man of the people. He, um, he's just like us. I mean, he he'll talk to anyone, anyone that wants it wants to chat. There's a multiple TikToks and reels and stuff of people going up to him to get stuff signed, and they bring up something to Sam. And he goes into a whole like spiel about the time he was there or the stuff that he knows, and he'll stop and he'll really talk to you, and that's that's really special because nowadays it seems like more and more people do that, but not everyone does that. So it's, that is so true. He's 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 one of the special ones. I, I would not be surprised if if he ended up in a in an important role in Lucasfilm in the future past his acting days but um i want to bring this comment up so i think ray can talk to it um this facebook user says i can't stand that it seems that sabine is an apprentice and wielding a lightsaber absolutely no evidence of force sensitivity in rebels so what's that all about uh, that i i bought that that same thing's the question i kind of was questioning myself when i saw that uh trailer but mind you we've got a big gap in between what happened you know, from the last episode of Rebels, and the last episode of Rebels, they're together. Now, what happened from then on to then? We don't know where that gap is. So, she, of course, you know, had the dark saber, gave it away, but she was training with the dark saber. So, I think anyone. Well, I don't know if it's just the dark saber was heavy because you had to be a force user for that one, or you know what I mean. Because even um, when uh, Ezra starts to use a saber, the regular saber, um, well, I guess you're getting some glimpses of his, if you know, force sensitivity at that point. I don't know, man. I'm I'm curious yeah. to myself to find out what happened. Like, you know. When did she start either seeing that she had force sensitivity or she just was trained on the lightsaber? Yeah, so so Chuck J here on YouTube that's watching us. Shout out to Chuck J. He says, Sabine learned how to use lightsaber and rebels. So yeah, so you don't have to necessarily be force sensitive to use yeah. a sword type yeah. weapon. And we saw her in rebels wield the darksaber. Now you pointed out that like Din Djarin, he had trouble with the Darksaber, but yeah. I believe that was due to him not kind of going with the flow, so to speak, with, with oh. the power, with the, with the energy of the weapon. And that's why he he couldn't wield it as sufficiently as a Bo-Katan and a Sabine. They had experience with it. They learned how to wield it. And the lightsaber, True. the green lightsaber that we see in the trailer that Sabine wields, is uh is not gonna have she's not gonna have that issue so she can actually free wield that um so to speak so yeah so yeah i actually have no problem with it i mean Neither do I. the interesting thing in the trailer that we all see is that sabine calls ahsoka master so i like the prospects of that i like the prospects of her maybe being force sensitive and i do like the storytelling aspect of it that you can maybe not be force sensitive and maybe get to be a a force wielder 
eventually by training and and trying. I like that aspect of of the storytelling. Some don't, but I like that you can go from not being force sensitive and practicing and meditating and trying and for people that have the natural skill, I mean, some some people are talented with certain weapons, certain skill sets already naturally. So maybe you can build off of that. Maybe that's what Sabine's story arc is going to be. And True. that'd be cool. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about here is the fact that we got a lot of pictures that dropped for the Ahsoka series from Entertainment Weekly. And Ray was popping up on the screen here, uh, these pictures. And uh, this is from StarWarsNewsNet.com. They ran an article today, and I'll read a little bit of it. Uh, it says, the actors may be on strike and prohibited from doing interviews, but that doesn't mean that major publications haven't been holding onto big pieces for a while. Entertainment Weekly has published a cover story focused on Ahsoka 20 days before the Series 2 premiere. Only 20 days, guys. Featuring four new images from the show, though they don't exactly reveal much as well as interviews with the main protagonist and executive producer, Carrie Beck. They did back in late June, but there's an update. More images were later on revealed during the time of this article that was uh, being written. And we have all the images here. If you want to bring them up, Ray, while I read the captions. Okay. Um, it says, uh, Beck started as associate producer in the first two seasons of Star Wars Rebels, was promoted to producer in season three, acted as co-executive producer on The Mandalorian, and was now promoted to executive producer in Ahsoka. She has been working with Filoni for years, and she can tell the story now. As she explained it, he's telling the story of the student of Anakin, and he himself was a student of George. Filoni had talked about the long shoot, possibly possibility of maybe one day doing live-action episodic Star Wars TV, as Beck explained. Beck says... He wondered if one day we'd actually be able to make Star Wars in live action and episodic. It was something we had talked about for years before making a streaming show was even a possibility. The idea is no longer a possibility. It's a reality. Filoni was brought on board The Mandalorian shortly after Jon Favreau got the thumbs up from Lucasfilm, and it wasn't long before he started thinking about how to fold his beloved character into the mix. He saw the light in season two and wrote her in, into a pivotal point for Mando's journey and hopes that he would one day have a chance to spin her off into her own show. And there's a picture of Sabine Wren right there. This one. And this is the one where she has the uh, kind of famous haircut from Rebels. Uh, we yeah. do see her with the long hair and apparently she we do see the scene where she does cut her hair and now in this armor it's a classic armor from the show what do you think about this uh this live yeah. action interpretation ray i never thought i would see it and when i saw this picture the helmet you know san diego i had so many feelings run through me like i couldn't believe that we're getting live action um Sabine was a character that I liked because she's an artist and she would graffiti her art all over, you know, wherever she was at, you know, it was funny when they painted the, the TIE fighter, you know, 
all those weird colors when it just i like this character so much and of course this is pre-mandalorian uh whoever thought we would get a show just based off these characters you know what i mean i just love it man yeah what about yeah. you yeah, it's incredible, man. Um, I love the casting. Uh, the caption of this picture is Sabine Wren, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, and Lucas from Star Wars Ahsoka, exclusively on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's that's Sabine. You look at this picture. I mean, the helmet design, the the paint scheme. I mean, that's that's quintessential Sabine. So for the Hera portion of this, um, of course, Hera is being played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And there's a picture right now if you want to bring it up there. Um, the article says, going back to the Rebels epilogue, Dave Filoni has been talking for years about that not-so-subtle reference to Gandalf the White that Ahsoka pulls with her look. And yet, the trailer suggests, along with other images that have been revealed, that in live action, she will be more of a Gandalf the Grey. Dawson talked about that this exact point in her interview. She says, in the animation you saw her go to the white. But what I loved is the idea that there was even another level to her. Dave and I talked a lot about Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White, talking about that transition and how she's someone very capable and excellent and looked up to her as a leader. But she still has levels of development to go. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that was the funny thing. that The first thing that popped in my head when I was watching The End of Rebels the very first time was, you know, Gandalf the White, you know, when he rides in on a white horse, yeah. you know, and he has the staff and he just lifts it up. And then seeing her get off the ship and everything, I was just kind of like, I'll be honest with you, man, that that episode gave me goosebumps at the end. And if, guys, if you haven't watched Rebels, there's so much that happens within that. After that, as soon as you see that scene, there's a bunch of other scenes that happen right after um there's a character that you're gonna if you guys don't know who he is uh freddie prince jr you know plays this character seeing him what happens to him i don't know i don't mean dave can we do spoilers i guess yeah for rebels yeah it's, yeah. it's an older show so <laughs> uh but when he dies you know it and all the movies that you know from Star Wars Episode One to Return of the Jedi, that sacrifice we haven't seen a sacrifice like that since you know Vader, you know grabbing the Emperor and throwing him into the the Death Star to save Luke. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That's a good point. Yeah, and that just was like, and it's funny right before that before that specific scene. You know, he tells Hera bye, and you don't didn't know that that was gonna be the final goodbye. That was really yeah. the hard part about it. So, um, you know, Kanan, that character, I would have loved to see in live action. I hope. I know Freddie Prince Jr. Is saying that he's not coming back. He's already you know did all his favors, but dude, to have him come back for one more time, the Star Wars Rebels fans would lose it. Yeah, him saying that so much makes me kind of believe he did come back for maybe that reenactment of him holding back the fireball and pushing back Hera into yeah. the ship. 
that would be awesome. I've talked about it before in podcasts and my buddy Jordan uh, talked to me at the uh, car show and Comic-Con about how that would be so cool to see that. Shout yeah. out to Jordan. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so many things that they could do. And of course, you just don't want to do fan service to do fan service. You want to work it in seamlessly. Yeah. Like the article talked about and having a decent pace and but I think there's a way to do it. There, there's definitely a way to do um, some of the big moments from Rebels. And even if you don't do big moments, I mean, from a different point of view, I mean, it, you, I think we all kind of want to see some flashbacks from the Clone Wars and from Rebels. I think yeah. that would be really cool. Um, and we do know that they did spend significantly on this show. So this, this, this and Skeleton Crew was was very very cared for is the financially so yeah more from this article here um if you're a member of our facebook group uh you can see um a post by entertainment weekly uh, after 15 years in the star wars universe ahsoka is ready to step into the live action spotlight rosario dawson details her journey from hyped fangirl to embodying the former jedi padawan in her own series and there's a moving cover uh, if you go to our Facebook group and check it out, it's uh, Ahsoka igniting her double-bladed white sabers and looking really ferocious uh, towards someone or something. Um, and it's pretty cool. So the rest of the article talks about... Um, um, it looks like they placed the Harris stuff way below. So uh, also making the jump to live action is Harrison Dula. Played here by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who couldn't contain her excitement about playing a rebel leader who also comes across as maternal and nurturing. Mary Elizabeth Winstead states, uh, what I love about her is that she's such a strong leader and fighter, and she's also so maternal and nurturing. We don't often see that depicted on screen. We see army generals being these very masculine hard figures, and Hera has that, but she also has that has this softness to her. She really wants her crew to be loved and looked after. And at the same time, she's pushing them to be better. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on Hera? Dude, Hera, seeing her backstory, you know, in um, Bad Batch to an extent, where she wants to be a pilot, you know, and flies a ship. And then seeing that part of it in Bad Batch, and then, Seeing where she becomes an awesome pilot, filing that I think well, I forgot what ship it, it's not the Y wing, was it? What ship was it that she ends up flying that was a prototype that she, they go back and get? I forgot the name of that ship, but anyway, she goes back and she flies that ship that no one else was able to pull off. I mean, she's an awesome fighter pilot, and mm -hmm. you know, seeing her to pull off the stuff that she's pulled off in Star Wars Rebels. You know, that's what one of the things that really gave me the goosebumps was, you know, they don't show it in the cartoon series. They don't it show it. was a B Wing, apparently. Someone on B Wing on chat okay. said, yeah. Um, but in the in the show, you don't see them like get intimate. You see them bicker back and forth, you know, Kanan and her. But at the end of the episode of this or the season, the season finale, you see that they had a kid. Yeah. You know, so it's like Part of me wants to know, is he force sensitive? What happens to him? What age is he when we, you know, is 
in this, you know, Ahsoka series? Are we going to see him? You know, it's so, I mean, so many questions, so many questions. But that's what I want. You know, I want questions to see what happened to her son and her. Um, because, you know, he had Chopper helping him raise him. So that you got, you know, that's got to be fun right there. Just seeing yeah. Chopper trying to help raise that kid, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the article continues. It says on the opposite side of the fight, we have our four main bad guys returning from the Mandalorian. Diana Lee in Osanto plays Magistrate Morgan Elsbeth. The actress remembers going to see Star Wars when she was 11 with her father, martial arts legend Don in Osanto, who immediately after ran out to buy to buy a plastic lightsaber to buy plastic lightsabers, plural, to train with his daughter, said the actress as she recalled the memory. Uh, she says, I love the irony that he was training me with these double staff plastic lightsabers. And who knew that down the road I would actually be doing this fight scene with Rosario. Maybe the force is really out there. So there's a picture of Balin Skull, the late Ray Stevenson, in Ahsoka. And we've we've kind of talked about his character a little bit. Um, and there's some rumors out there that he might not be what you kind of assume is a typical villain. And I think the orange lightsabers kind of point to that. And I think that's kind of a, a a nod to what he really is. And of course, I think it's been quasi confirmed that he was a Jedi during order 66. He survived. And now he has his apprentice who's played by Ivana Sakno, Shin Hati in, in the series Ahsoka. They both look fantastic. Both very interesting. And we do see in the trailer where Balin is fighting Ahsoka um, at, at that, um, that, that stone structure uh, that we see. So it looks really great. I'm, I'm excited about saber on saber combat here once again. Um, so the article continues uh, to, to list off here. Uh, working for uh, her uh, are both Balin Skull, the late Ray Stevenson, and Shin Hati, uh, Ivana Sakno. When EW spoke to the cast in late June, the former had already passed away in Ray Stevenson, so it was quite an emotional discussion for them. Sakno, who seems to be her scene partner for a big chunk of the show, said his impact on her life is immeasurable and recalled his jovial attitude on set, singing Who Let the Shin Out, which is, that's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, in between takes, a riff on Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Out in Asanto added the following. Ray really was so excited for his character to be released into the world. He was just an extraordinarily kind human being. I used to call him poetry in motion on the set. He was really, he really was walking poetry. And I know I'm going to be thinking about him when we're watching these episodes. Last but not least, of course, Lars Mikkelsen as Grand Admiral Thrawn. The Danish actor voiced the character for two seasons in Rebels and was apparently on Filoni's mind to play the live-action part long before Soka was even a thing. The showrunner apparently told Mikkelsen, let's see if we can make that happen. When he replied, he hadn't been to L.A. yet, the actor told EW. Lars Mikkelsen stated, I didn't really understand what he meant by that, but then, about a year and a half after, he phoned me up, and I was game. 
So nice. that's an incredible story for Lars Mikkelsen. And he was kind of the rumored guy. And he was the guy that I think everyone that was a fan of Rebels wanted to play the live action to keep that continuity of the voice along with Katie Sackhoff with Bo-Katan in animation and the live action. And I think he's going to be terrific. I think he's going to do a great job. And I'm so happy for the Mickelson family. First, first Mads as Galen Erso in Rogue One. And now we have Lars in live action as, as Thrawn. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. What are your thoughts on that, Ray? Oh, man. Thrawn is a character, if you haven't read the novels, to get his backstory, he's kind of one of those guys, like a perfectionist, where he wants to know his enemies. He wants to know um, everything about the people that are around him. I mean, there's a scene in uh, Clone, uh, Clone War, I'm sorry, Star Wars Rebels, where he's in a room fighting those droids that we see in Mandalorian, those black robot troopers, kind of similar, um, where he's fighting them by himself, hand-to-hand combat. Um, and that's pretty crazy, man. Like, he literally was going, like, bat crazy against those machines. Um, and he really didn't look like he was breaking a sweat. He was just... So I one of the things I did want to know was, it seems like he's kind of strong... Uh, with the strength and stuff like that to be able to fight those type of robots, you know, barehanded. But right, yeah, yeah. they really—I I don't really see much like to explain why he's able to do that. Yeah, he's—he's he's not human. He's a humanoid. He's a chiss. Yeah. So, um, I think we have a few Thrawn experts in chat actually. So yeah, I'm super excited to see the red-eyed blue guy that I think we've all been anticipating. So twenty days. Hopefully, we'll see him in the, one of the first two episodes. Um, so, I think we're all excited. And last but not least, uh, the two pictures that uh, Natasha Lou Berdizzo, Rosario Dawson, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead took um, all together. And you can see it on screen if you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Awesome casting. I love all three already. Met Rosario in London, which was... Phenomenal. I I loved her demeanor and the way she kind of greeted me. And I have the picture up there on my wall. She was so nice, so welcoming. And I think this was the hairstyle she had over there. And um, it looks like this maybe was at Celebration, if you if you kind of think about it. But um, yeah, the casting of Mary Elizabeth. I I've been a fan of hers for years. I think. Really, ever since Scott Pilgrim, I've been a fan. And then also she was in Death Proof as well with Rosario Dawson. And uh, she drank a Big Red, actually, in it, Ray. Oh, she crazy. did? Yeah, yeah. Someone did. Someone had a Big Red can. But, um, yeah, um, just awesome casting. I love it. Legacy of Nerd is in the chat. Um, if, you're, if you're a big Power Rangers fan, definitely go to his channel. He's, I think he is like the premier YouTube channel for Power Rangers, definitely. And uh, he's a great podcaster. And he'll actually be with us down at uh, Portland, Texas at CadabraCon. So you can actually meet him there and uh, take pictures and get his uh, John Hancock if you want. So, 
Yeah, so uh, Chuck J in the chat, he says, Thrawn is the thing I'm most worried about. I hope we see the book version. Um, nice. Chuck says, if they disregard the books, I'll be very disappointed. So, yeah, Chuck is obviously a huge Thrawn book fan. Well, I reached out to the writer who create, you know, create, you know, worked on the novels. He said he was really, really busy. I was trying to get him on the show. Look like uh, Retro Ray there is frozen. So we'll continue on here um, until it comes back. So, yeah, the article does continue a little bit longer. Um, it says, uh, but the relevance of the character goes well beyond that thanks to the tales of the Jedi. We know that uh, Soka's story started there, and we've lived through many chapters of her life across the last 15 years, but what happens later? Ashley Eckstein voice cameoed in The Rise of Skywalker along quite a few long-dead Jedi, but it hasn't been confirmed yet if Ahsoka has also perished at that point in the timeline, said Beck. Uh, Beck says, there's always been a big open question. We don't see her in the original trilogy. We don't see her in the sequel trilogy. What did she end up doing? So I don't know if you got all that, Ray, but the big question is when you hear her voice talk to Ray at the end of the rise of Skywalker, many people were like, okay, well that means automatically she has passed away. Ahsoka. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I pretty much, I kind of want to find out if that's pretty much what we're going to get to fill in with the Mandalorian movie. If, if she's, well, I'm hoping she doesn't die. Um, but we'll have to wait and find out if that's why we hear her voice at the end of that. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of wanting to know, you know, same thing because most people that yeah. you hear are dead. So it got me really got me thinking a lot. Yeah, I'm thinking back to all the voices we heard. We heard Obi Wan, and we heard Luminara. We heard who else did we hear? I think we heard Qui Gon too, didn't we? I think so. I it's been so long since <laughs> since I've seen Rise of Skywalker. I actually watched a little bit on TNT when I had YouTube TV, and uh, I kind of just stayed there, kind of watching it. So yeah, um, that's a big question. What is the fate of Ahsoka, and will we learn it in the series? But if the series is a smash hit, I mean, you got to kind of figure they're going to want to bring her back. I mean, Ahsoka's one of those rare characters, I think, in Star Wars because she does have a big fan following. She is popular, but she's not, she doesn't have that mainstream popularity, I think, like a Luke Skywalker, a Darth Vader yet. And if this does it, if this puts her over the top, I think definitely they're going to have to maybe do a movie or a season two. So. Which yeah. I think it's all for everyone listening. That's kind of common sense, but um, yeah, I could see, I could see a movie, a spinoff, if because we all know that Disney wants to take on the film division a whole lot uh, more intensely, because of course the TV shows on Disney Plus that's not where they're making their money. The films will yeah. make make the kind of bring back Star Wars. I, I think we're all hoping to back to the theater and, and have that kind of event and traditional feel for Star Wars film that drops. True. So Legacy of Nerd actually uh, says, I think Ahsoka is sort of a Deadpool level right now before the first movie. I think that's right on. I think that's right on. 
because you think back to that film, there there was a lot of fans. There's almost kind of like a subculture of fans for Deadpool. But then when the movie hit, hit the mainstream, and then the demand was there for the sequel and the third film that we're about to get here, hopefully, uh, eventually. Um, but yeah, I think Legacy Nerd hit it right on the head that, yeah, Ahsoka is that type of character that is a right underneath that level where she's about to go mainstream and move that character into the huge pantheon of Star Wars characters. So, Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, like we've been saying all along, and you can see it if you're watching this on the video, you can see plainly there, August 23rd is the date. I believe it is a Wednesday. It's a two-episode premiere. We just talked about the rumored runtime, and we will be watching it. Uh, we'll be doing. We'll be trying to do the pre-show and the after-show. And I think Craig Forrest said he definitely wants to join us, and we'll probably have a lot of other friends join us uh, for those pre <laughs> and post shows. It'd be very. We're going to be very, very blurry-eyed and tired after the premiere because it's a two-episode. And man, I might have to take the day off work or something. Because yeah, I'm going to probably end up requesting <laughs> off to the 23rd just just because of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the next thing I think we want to talk about here is the fact that there is a story out now that I want the podcast to take credit for because we talked about this feels like years ago. And we kind of had the idea that we threw out there that, hey, why don't they film the season of The Mandalorian and then maybe the last three, two, one episode make it into a movie? So that's kind of like the the rumor that's kind of going around right now that, and Best in Bulletin reported on it. So title of the article is Star Wars, The Mandalorian Season 4 could reportedly become a movie. So the article states, as Hollywood grinds to a halt, the strike pushes on. Disney and Lucasfilm are reportedly weighing up their options when it comes to making The Mandalorian's fourth season. According to a new report from Making Star Wars, Disney and Lucasfilm are considering turning the fourth season of The Mandalorian, which was written ahead of the Writers Guild of America strike, into a film, which they technically couldn't re-swizzle that script up because that would technically be writing so it would be kind of against the strike but anyways um if production is set back by a significant amount of time uh the mandalorian season four was originally set to film from late september and into the spring of 2024 but due to the wga and sag after strikes production has been delayed to an unknown time turning mando season four into a film is just an option disney and lucasfilm are reportedly considering and is reportedly an option that Disney and Lucasfilm are fans of. Despite executives supposedly liking the idea, there's no word on what the creatives involved think, such as the series creator John Favreau and executive producer Dave Filoni. The plan at this time is still to move ahead with The Mandalorian Season 4 as a series, and turning Mando 4 into a movie is just an idea being considered if production on the fourth season is delayed significantly as Lucasfilm and Disney reportedly fear that if the aforementioned strikes go on long enough, Disney and Lucasfilm may not be able to produce and release the series prerequisites for their highly anticipated Mandoverse crossover event. Dave Filoni's Mandoverse crossover event film was rumored to be aiming 
for a December 2026 release date. And a past report from The Hollywood Reporter indicated that the release was dependent on when a fourth season of The Mandalorian and a possible second season of Ahsoka would enter production and release. According to MSW, a significant delay of The Mandalorian's production and release could impact the release date of Filoni's Mandoverse film and could see the project delayed by up to two years. The Mandoverse crossover event film would see characters from various series produced by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni feature in the fight between the New Republic and the Imperial Remnant, likely being spearheaded by Grand Admiral Thrawn, like we all kind of talked about in the past and we kind of prognosticated about. Though that's just speculation. As is what Mandoverse characters would star. But many expect to see Din Djarin, Din Grogu, Ahsoka Tano, Boba Fett, hopefully Bo-Katan, and more. So the report also claims the Mandalorian <coughs> movie would release in the December 2026 slot, which is expected to be held for the Mandoverse crossover, and that crossover flick could not release until 2028. I personally find it really quite odd that a project that would likely shoot next year whether as a series or movie would be held for two years before releasing. The report claims that turning the Mandalorian season four into a film is to essentially to save time to get to Filoni's Mandoverse flick, which was of course reported at the investor day call. But in this scenario, the crossover event gets delayed by two years. Anyway, I'd always heard that the fourth season of the Mandalorian would likely release in 2025, even when production was set to begin this fall. And my personal expectation is that the, if the Mandalorian season four gets to film next year, it would still be aiming for a 2025 release. I'm not criticizing the report, making Star Wars is one of, if not the most reputable sources of Star Wars news. I'm just skeptical of the supposed plan. And the article also talks about there's no one in sight for the WGA and SAG after strikes. Uh, the AMTP, AMPTP, representing the Hollywood studios, reportedly refusing to come back to the negotiating table which is very sad. Um, SAG-AFTRA has asked for negotiations to resume last week, but the MPTP refused. However, it's not. It's now being reported that the AMPTP are looking to meet with SAG-AFTRA this coming Friday, which is good news. Unfortunately, there seems to be no desire to negotiate with the WGA, uh, which is the Writers Guild of America, with past reports claiming that the Hollywood studios were willing to allow the WGA strike to go on for as long as the union members to start losing their homes which is very sad and mortifying. Uh, you can support uh, the actors and writers currently on strike in various ways, including donating to the DSA-LA, who have been providing those on the picket lines with food and water, along with the Entertainment Community Fund, which supports those in the industry that are in need of emergency financial assistance. So what do you think about all that, Ray? I stand with the writers and I stand with the actors. Um just because, like I said, you know, without the the writers and these actors, I mean, up and coming actors, because you got to think about it. If Pedro Pascal was a stand in on Buffy or even back in the day on Buffy and they scanned him and took his voice and basically said, OK, now we can use you on whatever we want. You know, from here on till then, we wouldn't have him here in Mando. You know what I mean? So everybody has to come from somewhere so if you're a background actor up and coming actor what they're wanting to do to the actors by you know scanning them and recording their voices and then basically just playing a fat 200 dollars 
and then they can you're basically giving your rights up. Uh, I don't know if you saw Black Mirror, the episode of um, where they're watching Netflix and it's like it follows this lady who becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think the first episode of this new season on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's pretty much where we're headed to an extent, you know, because how many of us actually stop and read the clause before we agree and check off on it? I don't think anyone really does. I mean, yeah, those, yeah, the 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 actual user agreements are so long. It's yeah, kind of ridiculous, and it's all in legalese, so it's not like in regular English. It's all exactly. Legal so I mean, it's 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 getting there, and then you know, getting back to uh, the Terminator, you know, when Skynet became self-aware. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, I'm I'm with the writers and I'm with the actors. Um, the writers, I really think, without them having good stories, good movies, we wouldn't be getting any of this content that we get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean. It's all about the creative. It's all about the storytelling. Um, I think we've all seen AI produce crazy, complex, intricate things, but I don't think they're at the point where they can do like the human kind of element, the nuance that actual human beings can write. Um, But I think the day is coming, though. I think those days are numbered. But it's 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 an unfortunate situation. There's jobbing actors. Um, the strike is not about the 60 actors that exist in the world that get paid millions of dollars. It's not about them. It's about the actors that depend on the income for background work, for side work. Um, we've all kind of seen the same actors over and over again, the character actors. Um, not as much, but um, there's a lot of actors out there. There's 160,000 members, I think. And... In order for them to get health insurance, they need to make at least $26,000 a year, I believe. And a lot of them don't make that anymore because of what streaming does now. They don't get paid for the advertising that syndicated shows that they used to be on on cable would give them for the commercials. So it's it's a new world. All the new stipulations and contracts need to be reworked, rewritten for these actors to, to be jobbing actors. And Bob Iger's remarks, I, I couldn't believe what he said. And we talked about that on a previous podcast, so you can listen to all that. But yeah, unfortunately, the strikes are still happening for the Writers Guild, the Acting Guild, and they're still picketing. You can see it all over social media. So hopefully all that gets resolved. Hopefully the working actors and writers get what they feel is fair and appropriate. and um, I think it'll eventually work its way out, but right now it's we're we're kind of in that stasis period of just being in this kind of crummy situation. So, and to speak to the movie, the Mandalorian movie, we talked about a lot on the podcast uh, as far as um, our feelings to go ahead and make the conclusion for whatever season into the movie. But if you take a whole season, the season four that's already written, that John Favreau claimed was written months and months ago, take that and reconstruct that into a film. I think it'd be fantastic as long as Filoni and Favreau in charge. I totally trust them. I think we all do. Everyone that's listening, everyone that's been watching Disney Plus, all the Star Wars stuff, the Favreau stuff has been 
pretty good for the most part, I think, universally. I think people will object to the Book of Boba Fett stuff and maybe Mando Season 3, but Favreau does films, and I think he could do a great job, and I think you need those creative minds behind the first Mando movie, just like you had them behind Season 1 in the first episode, so... It'd be awesome to see Grogu on the big screen. That's instant cash right there, I think, for for Disney, for Lucasfilm. I think everyone's going to go see it and make it an event again, like Kathleen Kennedy stated, that we need a Ventai Star Wars. And it was already an event. I don't know why she used those comments, but um, Star Wars films are events. And if they can do one a year, one every Christmas, that would be fantastic. But, uh, of course, we know about the Fox acquisition and now the big IP and Avatar that James Cameron wants to drop them every other Christmas. So there's a little roadblock there. But of course, we could do May, Christmas, May, Christmas, perhaps, which is seems to be maybe the strategy um, because they do want to drop a film in May. So we shall see. But I think a Mando movie would be awesome. Mandalorians on the big screen would be oh, terrific. Yeah. Would be really awesome. I agree. So the next story, the story that actually dropped right after we did the last podcast, um, like immediately after we finished the last podcast, was the Lando news. And we haven't really spoke. I haven't spoke about this. And it's kind of interesting. And I think we all have to not raise our expectations too much because, of course, when we get news like this of creatives that we all believe in, get assigned to a Star Wars project, sometimes it doesn't work out and they leave for whatever reason. So the latest news is that Donald Glover and Stephen Glover, his brother, Donald Glover's brother, will be writing the Lando show, which is an incredible thing. Donald Glover is a writer alongside being a rapper, an actual popular rapper, and um, just being super creative. And of course, he's he's... Lando from Solo, which I think he was a big takeaway from the Solo film that made about 500, 500 million at the box office um, and was considered to not be a success. But of course, that was right after The Last Jedi it dropped in May. The marketing was not great. We know the whole story with that. But yeah, I love this story. I hope it goes through. And we do get Donald Glover kind of in charge of Lando, so to speak, given creative freedom. Uh, hopefully no one, the studio doesn't meddle with it. Um, I think it could be something great. The Calrissian Chronicles, that'd be awesome to see that. Maybe the Battle of Tanab, that would be awesome. Uh, the battle that Lando references in Return of the Jedi. Um, and you could bring Billy D back. He could be telling a a bedtime story, and he's telling uh, his daughter or Jana or whoever about his past. And we do a the, the show could be just a huge flashback and lots of battles, lots of conquests, uh, lots of different relationships. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich could come back. You don't have to do the deep fake, he's the proper age. Um, maybe that could work. I know a lot of people saw solo on. Disney Plus, after the fact, after it dropped, and I think universally people thought, hey, this is actually a good film. And people became fans of it. And then a big movement happened on social media, Make Solo 2 Happen. And every year, there's a day specifically where it's Make Solo 2 Happen Day. And everyone jumps online 
And Lucasfilm has noticed. They definitely, the creators, Ron Howard has has acknowledged the movement. Um, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, is it John Kasdan? Uh, the guy that uh, helped write the film, I believe. He's acknowledged it. And um, he stated that, yeah, Lucasfilm is definitely noticing. And it always trends on social media. And this, to me, though, the Lando series, that's the product I think I want uh, from the Solo film. Uh, not so much Han Solo adventures with Alden Ehrenreich, but I think Adventures with Lando, played by Donald Glover, I think is what we all kind of look forward to because he was Lando. He really embodied him, embodied the spirit, was the guy. And what are your thoughts on that, Ray? Yeah, I mean, he definitely did a good role. Um, I want to see more of his hijinks that he was doing, like yeah, stealing puff, puffer pigs in, uh, <laughs> in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, him maybe fighting with Hondo. Uh, would love to see that. Um, there's there's a number of things, man, that, you know, him, I mean, because like you said, you know, well, like I said, well, like in Star Wars Rebels, um, we see him pop in, you know what I mean? And so I would love to see a crossover live action Sabine, maybe, you know, Ezra flashback with, you know what I mean? Young Lando. Uh, there's so much, there's so many things that they can do, you know? Right, right. He's a key integral part of yeah. Star Wars. Very key character. The weird thing, though, about this announcement is the fact that the previously assigned writer, Justin Simeon, who just wrote Haunted Mansion, was interviewed and was asked about the Lando series for Disney Plus. And he stated that he had no idea. He hadn't been in contact with Lucasfilm about the Lando show because, of course, he was busy with Disney's The Haunted Mansion, which was a pretty solid film, by the way. I saw it last weekend. Um, so when the news dropped of Donald and Stephen Glover penning Lando and Justin Simeon exiting, Justin Simeon said, that's news to me. So it appears that he learned about this via social media and the internet that he was no longer on the project apparently. And that's a real big bummer. I mean, I hope that's not true. I mean, that, that would be very, um, very bad of Lucasfilm to, to let him know that way. I don't know. Maybe they sent him an email. Maybe they tried to call. Who knows? We can't speak to that. We don't know, but yeah, that's, that's the kind of frightening proposition if that's what actually went down. So, but yeah, there's an article on Best Bulletin. It is um, a little older from July 27th. Um, it just talks about how um, Donald and Stephen Glover are going to write Lando for Disney Plus, a series, and Justin Simeon has exited. Um, and this was actually generated by Jeff Snyder uh, from Above the Line. He exclusively reported that Simeon has been off of the Lando series uh, since last summer, uh, which is kind of shocking, um, which doesn't align with Simeon's comments. Uh, when he decided to focus his efforts of Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot flick, which released last week, Simeon just earlier that day told The Hollywood Reporter that Lucasfilm loved his Lando script 
but that there's been no development on the project since its announcement in 2020 from the Investor Day call. Uh, with Simeon adding that he believes that he's still attached, but of course he claims that he found out that he wasn't via social media. Um, the above the line reports uh, go on to say that Lucasfilm were determined to continue development on the series while Simeon focuses efforts on Haunted Mansion. And as part of moving forward with the development of the project, they reached out to the series lead, Donald Glover, who previously starred in 2018 Solo, a Star Wars story, as Lando Calrissian, and his brother and occasional writing partner, Stephen Glover. So apparently, Disney reached out to Stephen Glover as well. That's, that's kind of interesting, because you kind of see brothers writing. It's like maybe Donald just brought him on, but apparently Lucasfilm reached out to him, too. Um, writing partner Stephen Glover to take over writing duties and pen the series. The siblings have reportedly agreed to step aboard the series as writers with Lucasfilm reportedly excited about the arrival of the duo as writers and find their take on the series just as exciting. Above the line mentions that Lucasfilm, Disney, and, Glover, and Glover's camp have attempted to keep the word of the Glover's brothers taking over the project as writers tight-lipped, but that the brothers signed on well before the Writers Guild of America strike and have not worked on the project since the WGA strike began in May. The outlet believes that Justin Simeon's recent comments was the writer-director towing the company line and didn't want to cause headlines before the release of The Haunted Mansion this weekend. The Glovers worked together as writers on the critically acclaimed FX series Atlanta, which is a fantastic show, uh, which debuted in 2016 and wrapped up last year with its fourth season, fourth and final season. Uh, Stephen Glover wrote 11 of the 41 episodes of Atlanta and wrote the screenplay for Guava Island, uh, both of which Donald starred in. Uh, Donald is the more experienced writer of the siblings creating Atlanta, along with Amazon Prime video series Swarm. Donald Glover also wrote 23 episodes of 30 Rock and wrote the upcoming Mr. and Mrs. Smith series for Prime Video due to release in November, which he also stars in. Super busy guy. Uh, earlier this year, Donald Glover told GQ that he was being more precious with his time following the COVID-19 pandemic, which made him realize at this time, his time is valuable. Glover expanded on his comments, revealing that he was only picking projects that did not feel like of a waste of time, of a waste of his time. And if he got to work with people he enjoys working with, he signed off adding that Lando could possibly be one of those projects and that had spoken with the Lucasfilm president, Kathleen Kennedy, who told IGN in April that the Lando series was definitely still happening. So there you go. I hope it stays. I hope it's happening. Of course, we don't want to get our hopes up because so many people have been announced or unofficially announced. We've heard leaks of people being on Star Wars projects and it hasn't happened. So keeping our fingers crossed because I think this is one of the guys that, yeah, we hope that he has the time and he writes the script and it's great. He takes his time does whatever he needs to do to create a great Lando series. And the guy's super busy. We question the fact that maybe he was never going to be Lando because he signed a $100 million contract with Amazon to do work for them. Um, he has his whole rap career going on. And once those contracts for other streaming services get signed, usually those people don't return back to Star Wars, a la Betty Offenweiss. I mean, when that happened, I was like... uh, I don't think they're going to do Star Wars. And of course they didn't. Along with Ryan Johnson too. He created an entire company when he was supposed to also create a trilogy from scratch. New characters, planets. 
theories possibly on the force. And I was like, there's probably no way that he's going to be able to do that and create this new company and do this Knives Out trilogy or franchise for Netflix. And then, of course, Netflix gave him a whole lot of money. So, but yeah. So, Ray, what do you, what do you think about the Lando situation now? What are your hopes? I mean, like you said, he's a awesome writer. The shows he worked on were great, you know, for rating wise and stuff like that. So, and then his rapping career. I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's very, a top tier top tier musician. Really. Yeah, so I mean, he's very talented. So yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see what he has. I mean, one of the things I have never heard is, is, you know, how big of a Star Wars fan is he? You know, is he like a real hardcore Star Wars fan? I know he's a Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if he's hardcore and we don't know it, that'd be freaking awesome. But I think he's I think you can call him a. I think you could call him a hardcore fan, but I, but I mean, he has his hands in so many different yeah. projects. He's doing so many different things. I mean, I know you, Ray, do a lot of different things. Would you call yourself a Star Wars hardcore fan? I just like too much. I mean, and I, yes, I'm a fan of them. I, everything that I love. Would you call yourself a hardcore fan of Star Wars, though? Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. think he's a lot like you, and that he has Star Wars and he's into it. And I love the story that he told when he got the role of Lando for solo Star Wars story. He said that he celebrated by going out and getting a pizza, taking it home, being totally by himself, putting on the empire strikes back and watching it while eating pizza. That's how he celebrated. So nice. I mean, I mean that I think that tells you right there that yeah he is he's got love for Star Wars and Lando especially and he totally knocked that role out of the park like I said earlier. Well, since you mentioned like you know where do I fall myself as a Star Wars fan? Uh I don't know if your fans have seen when you mentioned like I've worked on a bunch of different stuff. Um well, if you didn't know guys, I worked at a comic book store here in San Antonio and I got a chance to help come up with some cool variant covers for the store. Um, one of the ones that, of course, when Dark Horse lost the rights to Star Wars and it came back to Marvel, which was officially first one was published back in 1976, same time frame as, you know, The Punisher. So my homage for our variant cover for the store was, hey, let's pay homage to The Punisher because it, it was published in the same time frame, year-wise. And, um, you know, the rivalry between Boba Fett and Han Solo, this is one of the covers that I helped, I pitched and got made for Heroes and Fantasies. Um, there was only, I forgot how many made. There was, a black and, there was a black and gray version, and then the colored version. They're all sold out. I mean, this thing sells, I think now, not even graded, like 200 and something bucks. And wow. It was, yeah. So, yeah, when that's how hardcore of a Star Wars fan I was. I was like, this was pre-Mandalorian, even wasn't even in the picture. Nice. I liked Boba Fett. I mean, everybody loved Boba Fett. And I was kind of like, hey, it has a good spiel because Boba Fett's a bounty hunter. Punisher was a hunter after villains. It was kind of the roles, the roles reversed to an extent. 
but it was kind of like Boba Fett after Han. It was a perfect combination. It just worked out. But it was fun when I got to see it come out in person. It was, it was I couldn't believe it happened. But yeah, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, I, I think Donald Glover is in the same vein as you and, and many <laughs> other people out there that are really huge fans, but they're very much involved in so many different other IP and projects. A lot like you, Ray. <laughs> I, I know most listeners don't know Ray, but he's involved in a lot of stuff and has done a lot of stuff. So yeah, he'll you'll you'll hear him and see him on the podcast in the future. So don't worry. Many of his stories will kind of come out naturally. So <laughs> so stay tuned for that. So yeah, I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to talk about. Um, we also do want to talk about the fact that we are going to be at CadabraCon, which is going to happen at the end of September. I believe September 29th through August 1st. We will all be there. Everyone that you've seen on the podcast that's local to me, including Legacy of Nerds and Kenobi's Bunker, Ted from Countdown City Geekcast, along with the WrestleCast, Ghostheads Radio. We'll be there all three days. Hopefully we'll be podcasting on the panel stage that they have and you can hear us live or even watch us live and participate that way live with questions and we'll try and give you answers. And of course, Daniel Logan will be there in person, and I'm pretty sure we will be talking to him extensively, and he will hopefully be on the podcast when it happens. So I've never met him. I know Ray has probably met him dozens of times. I know Colin has met him several times in Michigan, I believe. And uh, hopefully Colin might be there as well. He might make the trip down from Michigan. So there's all that. So there's, there's no reason not to go. If you're in the area, if you're in the Gulf coast area of Texas, show up to this, you'll see us. You'll get to hang out. We're going to do giveaways. Um, a lot like the car show comic con. So also Susanna Malik is going to be there. You can see on the screen. If you're watching us on YouTube, on video here, she was a Jawa next to Leilani Shu and the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett. Um, also, uh, Christine Gailey is going to be there. She was in R2. In the Book of Boba Fett, in those Mandalorian episodes. And she was also that uh, little astronaut character that looks pretty cool walking around, I believe, in the Mandalorian series. So, really cool convention to look forward to. I think this is going to be the most involved that the Star Wars Stuff podcast will be in up to this point in any convention that we've done. So, really excited, looking forward to it, looking forward to people coming out and participating in doing giveaways and just having a good time, really celebrating star Wars and everything comic-con really, you know? So also too, there's going to be all, a lot of cool artists that are going to be there. Of course, that's yes. my spiel that I love is comic book art. There's an artist by the name of Freddie Lopez from San Antonio, Texas, who actually did a little piece that is on back of that comic that we just showed. And this is the piece he did for the back of the comic. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, and not just that. I mean, he does artwork as well, like on commission work. Um, and this is one of the pieces he did um, on the covers as well, like for the back. I love that drip design. That, that's really yeah. cool. Well, he had to use that because of the, the texture of the, the sheet. Mm. Um, so he had to, it wasn't catching very well. So he uh, had to okay. learn to adapt it with the markers and stuff. So it came out beautiful. Yeah, it came out really good. Really good. But yeah, he's an awesome artist. Uh, he'll be there. Um, we're hoping to have him on the show to promote the convention, so you'll be able to meet him 
um, or see him on the podcast. So it's going to be pretty fun. Nice, nice. So, yeah, that's the show. And if you want to find us on our social media, you can always find us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. I don't know what you're waiting for there. But, <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. Even if you're not watching us on YouTube, go to Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Very simple to type into YouTube. Like, subscribe to the video and to the channel. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Colin drops stuff daily on Instagram and he just made a really cool video, really informative. It, it was, it was a pretty cool. It was one of his first videos that he's done um, where he actually narrates and it's, it's actually pretty good. Uh, so on Twitter or X as the kids call it nowadays, or I should say Elon calls it, uh, you can find us at stuff pod. Uh, also we're on Patreon. So you can go to Patreon for exclusive content. We're about to gear up big time for Ahsoka, so we're probably going to podcast just about every day uh, coming up here. Anytime big news drops, uh, I was talking about it with the guys. We're going to be on Patreon dropping that stuff, I believe, on the $5 tier. So if you've got $5 a month, you can get all the latest stuff at the end of the day or listen to it early in the morning before anyone else. Ad-free, too. We're also on TikTok. Uh, just search up Star Wars Stuff Podcast. You can email the podcast with ideas, comments, uh, questions at starstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you know we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. We post a lot of memes in there. Shout out to Tim Seitz, who's the meme lord. He posts memes in there every day if you want to laugh. Um, also, on Apple and Spotify, give us five stars. That helps out the podcast tremendously. A lot of interesting reviews out there on Apple. Um, write a great review. Uh Sometimes the podcasts kind of change up a little bit, so we're always not doing the same thing. So be aware of that when you write the review. Um, that's kind of an Easter egg there. But we're also um, on a website. We have a news website now that you can check out some of the articles that some of your favorite hosts have written at starstuffpodcast.com. Also, we have Twitch Gaming, where we occasionally will be on there. I know Colin loves the game. Colin and Josh are resident gamers. and um, yeah, you can check them all out there. And for Retro Ray, my name is David. And may the force be with you. This is the way. <laughs>